All right, well, we're going to power through. We're just going to keep going. We're just going to do it. We just have no other choice. We've got to do it. We've just got to finish this thing. Can I finish it today? Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. But uh, we're going to try. We're going to try. So uh, God bless you. Thank you back for coming back to the channel. Let's uh, let's listen to it. If you remember, we, we just made a, he just cracked a joke about how you shouldn't use social media, you know, something like that. I, who knows? I wasn't really paying too much attention. But let's continue. Christian leader who's fairly quiet on social media about these things, and he gets attacked for it. But you look at his private life, and he's very much investing yes. his time and energies in individuals in his context, both in the church and outside of Amen. the church. Amen. And he's probably accomplishing more than the loudest of us on social media. Amen, brother. Uh, all right, we've talked yeah, but about... The question is, is he white or black? That's the real question. Because if he's white, then I'm sorry, but he has a savior complex. If he's black, then I have to say, that is an example to follow white people. About formation and discipleship. I think we've Being established black is an that, example it, to that follow. happens at the relational level. I'd love to hear each of you talk about practical things that we can be moving toward. I'm a, I, I, wanna, I, I gotta be honest, like, I wonder, cause you know, lots of people will, you know, female adjacent guys, you know, let the reader understand. Female adjacent guys will say things like, oh, this is so helpful. This is so helpful. This is encouraging. But that's something they have to say. Like they know they, they, they've been trained over years that they have to say that when Gospel Co Coalition puts out some the garbage. They've got to say it's helpful. Oh, it's so encouraging and helpful, brother. I wonder what percentage of people actually find this helpful. Uh, that'd be interesting to know. Like this is it. Did you actually like really learn something here? Something that hasn't been said 10 million times in the last, you know, five days. Um, and it's nonsense anyway, and it's been repeated over and over and over, and every single time we put another one of these stupid videos out about racial reconciliation, it's the same nonsense over and over and over, and it was nonsense the first time, and it's nonsense the 10 millionth time, over and over, and every single time you're supposed to say it, this was so helpful, brother. I wonder what percentage of people actually find it helpful. Probably very small. I mean, not that many people have seen this video. This video has been viewed... 3,000, three and a half thousand times, 3,500 times. Um, so it's not like that people are like dying to watch this kind of garbage. But I wonder, like out of the 3,500 people, there's probably a significant number of hate watches. And then of the people who didn't hate watch it, how many really did find it helpful? Not just saying it, but actually did find it helpful. Church, to be seeing this happen more, increasingly more in our own context. I think you mentioned formation first, so I'll start with you, and sure. then I want to hear your... So I think the, the, the key thing about formation is that we have, formation is only really meaningfully achieved in a formational environment, and that's meant to be the church. And so I think what that means for us in this issue, I think it means multi-ethnic, multicultural churches as a goal, that we should pursue that in a way that folks wiring about how they perceive people of different ethnicities and cultures can be reworked. I think the gospel, a gospel community is intended to reshape how we perceive each other. Paul says that, right? We no longer view anyone from a worldly uh, point of view. And so that community 
reshapes and redefines my biases. And so I, th I think that's first. We've got to go after that. I think within that, we have to educate people on the reality of these racial disparities and what some people in our churches are dealing with. Just to get to raise their antenna that this is not just a political issue or a social issue, it's an issue for my brother, it's an issue for my sister. And I begin to experience their encounter with these things. I think that makes me more sensitive and I become an advocate both for them and also for other folks who have that same experience. All right, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna come to you, but I, I, so I wanna ask a question about practically developing that and say my own context. I'm a, I'm a white man pastoring a church, largely white church. You and I Did were Did we really need it. that explanation, Mr. Whoever you are? Um, in my context, I'm a white man. Did we really need you to explain that? I mean, I, I, I don't know, I just, I know I'm nitpicking here, but this stuff is just, it's always the same. It's always the same. Oh, we got to contextualize it. My, my white church, white pastors got to do this and, and all this kind of stuff. It's just it's the same. I'm just so bored of it. I, I, this is why I don't do these kind of videos about woke church stuff as much as I used to because I, I'm kind of bored of it. And I think some of you guys are bored of it, too, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, it's just like it's the same. It, it never advances. It's always the same. It's always the same nonsense being pushed again and again and again. Oh, that's so helpful, brother. And it's not helpful at all. Everyone's just lying all the time about how helpful this stuff is. <laughs> I'm a white man. I don't know if you knew that. I'm a white man and my church is mostly white. What about my context? I had a dear friend just a minute ago. I've got a black friend, black though. Man who is pastoring a truly multi-ethnic PCA church in Orlando. And, Ooh, um, that's the best kind of church, the multi-ethnic church. As a white man, though, I feel... It's challenging to move that ball forward. And, and, and you and I have talked about this. We're, we're trying. What are, some, what are some things you would urge your white pastor brothers and church leaders, sisters too? What, what are some places you want to nudge us? We, we want to hear. So, so yeah, we, we, we definitely don't want to hear. We don't care. Yeah, the thing is, like, this, this is the kind of thing. It's like, you know, if you're a white pastor or a black pastor or whatever, just don't just don't exercise parti partiality. Don't show partiality. You know, don't uh, you know that that kind of stuff. You know, don't don't uh, make a, a a white section for the church where it's whites only and a black section of the church where it's blacks only. Don't have segregated you know community groups or things like that, unless people want to. Because this is the thing, like. Like, you know, if, if white people want to hang out with other white people and that's just how it all shakes out, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just that when they start making rules, right, like, well, you know, no whites here or no blacks here, you don't really see that on the white side as much. I mean, there's not going to be very many white community groups at your church that say no blacks allowed, but you will see that kind of thing on the black side because they think that just the presence of white people is somehow offensive or oppressive or something like that. And if you don't believe me, look at my my content about a Gospel Coalition event where they literally said, no whites allowed at this event. This is for the sisters. And so just don't do that kind of stuff, and you're fine. And if your church is mostly white, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? That's just how it shakes out. If your neighborhood is mostly white, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how it tends to work out. You know, whites hang out with whites, and blacks hang out with blacks. There's nothing wrong with that. 
it's just when you make these partial, you know, you, 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 you treat people with partiality, you make rules, things like that. That's where we run into problems, obviously. But, but no white church is doing that these days, at least not the kind of white churches that he's talking about. Um, I'm sure there are some white churches out there that are wax, wackadoodle, but whatever. You know, that's fine. That's fine. Two things I would recommend to them. Oh, um, see these recommendations. I can, maybe there's three. Ooh, three. Yeah, let me okay, start good. with the third one that just came to mind. Okay, great. Yeah, I don't think it means leading your church to become multicultural. Thank you. And, and I think Thank that you. That's, that's good advice. Don't worry about this multicultural church thing. That's not ideal. It's not. It's not something the Bible tells you to do, and it's definitely not ideal either. I think people think that it's ideal. It's not. It's, it's, it's difficult to have a church where people have completely different cultural conceptions of time. You know what I mean? This is this is something that a lot of people have noticed. You know, this is uh, I remember I once I was in Ethiopia and, um, you know, I'm an American. So, you know, I've got a certain concept of time. You know, you say you're going to be there at noon. We're going to be there at noon. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to show up a little early. I mean, that's that's kind of how I was raised. I was raised that if you're uh, early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. You know what I mean? I And I get that other people weren't. So I don't hold other people to that. But but at the very least, if you say you're going to be here at noon, be here at noon. But I remember we had a guide, and he would say things like, Tina, and what he meant by that is, this is not America. And there, you know, you say you'd be there at 12, maybe you roll in around 1. It's just a kind of a vague, sort of squishy concept of time, in my opinion. That's how they do it over there. It's not that it's wrong or bad, or I, I mean, I think it's inferior, of course, because I think it makes a lot of sense to say what you mean and mean what you say kind of thing. And I think it helps with business. It helps with things, appointments, things like that. But that's just not how they do it. And so um, if imagine bringing an Ethiopian group and a white group together and they say, great, the potluck's at noon. What time's the potluck actually? Nobody knows. <laughs> now, you can work through that stuff, of course. You can work through that. that but it's not ideal necessarily. Like people put this multicultural thing as if it's just this perfection, this ideal, this this thing we all need to strive for. No, we actually really don't. We really don't. And that breaks people's brains to hear that. I know there are some people in this audience that'll hear that and think that sounds pretty racist, but it's just a fact. And this is the thing. It's like if Ethiopians want to gather together in their own Ethiopian church and have whatever concept of time they want to have, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And if a white person wants to go to that church, you know, and they have to maybe maybe adjust their expectations a little bit. When we say the potluck's at noon, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to show up at noon and then get mad because nobody else is there. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not how it works. I don't know how American Ethiopians do it, but I would imagine it's you know, there's some kind of difference. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And so, so it's like, you don't, you don't expect it. Like, listen. The whole idea of the multicultural ideal church, there's nothing wrong with having other cultures in your church, right? But this idea of that the church itself has to be multicultural. And it's this ideal thing we all must strive for. It's the Revelation 7 ideal. It's just not true. It's just not true. And it's not ideal. The reason why I think it's not that, if it's a larger white church, is that you're probably going to end up creating an environment that's going to feel alien, alien, and perhaps hostile to people of color who come in there. <laughs> so I think it's important not to try to diversify white spaces as a strategy for. Right. So it's he's, he's got <laughs> he's got the right advice, but it, the reasoning is all jacked up. It's like it's like don't don't create the multi ethnic church. 
Not because it's okay for you to have a white church. It's definitely not. But we just don't want blacks to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and you're creating a situation where blacks are going to feel uncomfortable when they say the potluck's at noon. And really, it's whatever time you want to show up. I don't know. I just don't know. For pursuing multi-ethnicity, multicultural churches. I think there are two things, though, that we can do. One is that we can, like our friend, we can plant, we can establish the DNA going into a church. We can plant multicultural, multi-ethnic churches, churches that are reconciled and also just. All right, so <laughs> he doesn't actually have the right advice. What he was saying was don't transform your church if it's a white church to a multi-ethnical church, multi-ethnical church, but definitely plant multi-ethnical churches because that's the pinnacle. That's the Revelation 7 ideal. Is it 7 or 9? I always forget that. That's the ideal church. It's not a true, ideal, just, and, 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 and reconciled church unless it's multi-ethnic. <laughs> I should have known he didn't have good advice. I should have known. So I think we can plant those churches. Here's another thing that we can do that we don't talk can about. Can we plant white churches? Can I just plant a white church? What, what if I just want to plant a white church, you know, where, you know, they listen to whatever <laughs> white music they want. And uh, they have white potlucks with casseroles and, uh, you know, and they, they do white things like, I don't know, play bridge or something. <laughs> what do white people do? I don't know. <laughs> They've got emergency mayonnaise, uh, you know, things around everywhere just in case you have food that's too spicy. You know, you break it. You pull out the mayonnaise. Everything's fine. That's what I imagine a white church being like. No, it's just a regular church. It's just an American church. This is the thing. Most American churches are white churches, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can plant a white church if you want to. If you want to plant a multi, and it's the thing. The multi-ethnic church, of course, is just a. It's like a black or Latino church. Like, like, like that's what it really is. Like a multi-ethnic church is just any church that's not white. So what he's saying is, if you're a white church, don't plant. Don't don't change your church to multi-ethnic. Just plant. A black church or plant a Latino church, like, and he says it's multi-ethnic to make it sound good, but really it's you bending to the will of the cultural preferences of black people is really what it means. It's not about you know we have an amalgamation melting pot, which again that's not even ideal anyway. But he's not even talking about a melting pot. He's talking about white people bending to the will of whatever Latinos want to do or whatever blacks want to do. That's what a multi-ethnic church is in reality. So when we tell you the potluck's at noon, you better not show up at noon. I haven't seen, I've, I've even seen tweets like that where somebody says that you're oppressive or rude or something or racist if your black friend invites you to your party uh, to a party and you show up on time. That's actually oppressive. I've, I've seen literal. I don't even remember who it was. It could have been Kyle Howard. I could be wrong about that, so I can't say definitively it was him. But another, it, it just as psychotic as this guy. If you show up, your black friend invites you to a party, and you show up at the time he says the party is, you're a racist. That's problematic. That's concerning. That's troubling. People are sick, man. Enough. They're sick. I think that we can diversify largely black and Latino churches. That's our church's story. Our church was planted as an African-American church. That was its definition. We are today a multicultural church, about 40% black, about 35% white, and about 25% Latino, brown Latino. And so I think that the churches of color are safe spaces for everyone. Do you see, he just made explicit what I just said. 
white churches cannot be they, they cannot be multicultural because it won't be a safe space for blacks and latinos but black churches and latino churches they can truly be multicultural because that's a safe space and what that means is you are bending to our will and therefore we feel safe and that's a truly multi-ethnic church when you white people bend to our will where we feel perfectly at home but you white people can't have a multicultural church because we would have to be bending to your will and that can't be truly ethnic do you see how evil this whole perspective is it is pure unadulterated the exact sin of partiality that these people claim to be warring against they commit every single day this is what my book is about they're the ultimate projection the ultimate you know doing the thing that they accuse you of the ultimate crying out in pain as they strike you these people are evil to the core well at least their teaching is evil to the core i don't know this man so i can't say he's evil to the core but his teaching is pure, unadulterated evil. This is the very thing that Paul would have lost his mind over. This is the very kind of thing that he speaks against in the scriptures. It's the very thing that, gets, that, that's, that's, that he reserves his harshest words for. It's evil stuff, guys. You see, I, I just said, I didn't know he was going to say that. I, I don't watch these things before I, uh, before I comment on them. But you see, my commentary, I've just assessed the situation. I know what's going on. I didn't expect him to be explicit about it. He was explicit about it. You bend to our world, and that's how we achieve multiculturalism. It's not about you. you, you who cares what your preferences are? Look, the potluck's at 12. Tough luck. Good luck figuring out when the potluck is. And that's just a stupid example. I mean, it's just it's a real example, but it's a stupid example. There's things like that throughout the life of the church. And white people will have to bend to our will if we're going to truly achieve the Revelation 7 perfection of multicultural churches. It's all a scam. It's all a bamboozle. It's all a flimflam. It's all fugazi. Existentially. The ones that, so if a white brother or sister comes in, they're not going to get hurt there. That I mean, it could happen because these are human beings, but but largely it's a yeah. But who cares? I mean, seriously, who cares if white people get her? I mean, <laughs> tough luck. I mean, you gotta you gotta if you're making an omelet, you gotta crack a few eggs, right? White eggs, white eggs. Don't be cracking those brown eggs around here. Oh, yes, sir. We don't be cracking no brown eggs around here. Place for everyone. You see how evil it is, and he says it with a smile. He says it with a smug conviction. He says it. You would think he has the moral high ground here. He's totally confident in his partiality. He's totally confident in his evil teachings. He's not embarrassed about them. He can't blush. He thinks this is good. He's calling this holy and righteous. This is twisted. <laughs> this is pretty twisted. You know, honestly, in the last episode, I said these are the most delus delusional, uh, delusional people out there. Um, or debaters out there, but um, but man, like I did not expect him to be this flippant about this evil. And it's also less likely to have these culture wars inside the church around issues like racial justice. And so I think those two things. I think planting those churches. I think 
diversifying churches of color. And I think in white churches, kind of educating your people on the issues can be done without change the church, which will lead to conflict, tension, and resistance. That's a good word. Thank you. All right, formation and discipleship. He said, he said it all. I mean, he said, you know, again, it's, it's about whites bending to the will of blacks and, and browns, the preferences of blacks and browns. It's not about any reconciliation. It's about doing the will of people who want your stuff. That's what the, it is. They want your resources. They want everything. They want you to lay aside everything that, the, that you've done traditionally and embrace what, and if you don't, you might not even have the Holy Spirit. Simple as that. Simple as that. To move both reconciliation and justice forward in the context of our local church. What, what advice do you have? Yeah, so uh, as I think about that question, I, mean, I think two things come to mind. And, you know, I'm not a theologian. I don't even play one on TV. Oops. But, you know, one thing that I think that we get things right as Christians that they're not getting around the rest of the world is the nature of what humans are. You know, because of our idea of depravity, we know that humans are of great worth and depraved, whereas in a humanist philosophy, only humans are of great worth. Which means that we know in interacting with others, well first, human depravity, the doctrine of human depravity always starts with me. It always starts with me and then I can I understand others. So it doesn't, hey, you all are deprived, you need to, no, if I really understand that doctrine, it means I need to learn from everyone else. And you know, beyond race, this has such implications as to what we should be as Christians. I mean, I think that's something that uh, I would like to see churches to teach more about the nature of what humans are, depraved and yet still image bearers of God. You know, what does that mean? And how, how confident should we be that we have all the answers given, given this? And I talk about this as a sociologist, as confirmation bias and such, but really it's, it, 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 it's truth from on high. Good science and good theology go together. So it's, so it's that. On a more practical level, on a more practical level, you know, I think that we need to try to live a lifestyle that is more collaborative in our, in our conversations and inclusive. That means first off, it means, yeah, having diverse friendships. If you don't, in this day and age of the internet, what's wrong with you, honestly? Second. <laughs> so basically, white people, you better have that black, fr that black friend have them in your back pocket because if you don't have a black friend what's wrong with you in today's day and age in social media you should have a you should have one for every color of the rainbow you should have a black friend of course you should have a latino friend of course and a mexican friend you, you got to separate those two I mean, latinos and mexicans <laughs> you need to have a chinese friend and a korean friend and a Japanese friend, and you better have an Indian friend. You gotta have every. What's wrong with you? If you don't, you you might be one of those Nazis that I've heard all this about. You gotta have you gotta have a diverse friendship. And be willing to have the conversation. My best friend in high in, not in high school in college was a white guy. Uh, we talked about God. We talked about girls. We talked about politics. We talked about everything but race. I had another friend who was a Hispanic. Who was I wasn't as close but we talked about racial issues. That's on me that I was unwilling to have the conversation. He did not ever push it away, okay? I don't wanna blame him, that was me. I was unwilling to have the conversation. We have to be willing to have the conversation when it comes up in the Listen guys, when you're at the, listen, I, I know, I know that uh, you're working hard out there, you know, and, and you'd like nothing more than to just, 
you know, hit up the local bar or uh, maybe maybe a cigar shop if that's your thing. Or maybe you don't like either of those kinds of vices and, you know, you just want to hang out and, you know, I don't know, shoot pool or something. I know you want to chit chat about, you know, some lighter stuff. You guys are working hard. You got a lot of stress and things like that. You want to talk about the game, you know, last night or something. Fishing, you know, things like that. But no, no. What you got to do with your off time with your friends, your best friends, is talk about racial disparities. That's that's the thing you need to talk about. Like when I get together with my friends, yeah, I just I just hung out with a friend the other day. We went to the cigar lounge. You know, I got a nice Dominican cigar. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. I'm really into Dominican stuff now. That's that's the thing. Anyway, uh, we you know what we did was we talked about racial disp- disparities. You know, and I really let him have it because he's a white guy and he's got you know. Uh, you know, uh, he's just a white guy. I'm just going to say he's white. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? He's white. And we just talked about racial disparities. And, and, and you know, honestly, like, if you're not doing that, what is, in this day and age, with all the racial tensions out there, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's just unbelievable. Can you imagine being friends with these guys? Hey, what, you, did you see the game last night? Oh, yeah. You know, what I, well, I didn't see the game, but but I was really thinking about the, 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 the wealth income gap. Yeah, the wealth income gap and how white people are the devil. What do you think? <laughs> Man, it's not when you meet someone and say, hey, let's talk about race. But when it comes up in an appropriate manner, we have to have the conversation so we can understand each other. Mm. Not conversations to brow people, to beat people down or anything like that. So Look, I'm not understand- trying to beat you down. I'm just trying to say that white people are the devil and that, so you can understand me more. That's why I don't have a lot of stuff. Like, look, I would love to have a bass boat, too. But I, I can't have one because white people have be holding me down. They hold me down, man. And I'm not trying to browbeat you. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to do anything. I'm just, I want you to understand me. Like, I, I would be, I probably have as much money as Donald Trump right now if it wasn't for the white man holding me down. That's the thing. The white man be holding me down. Not about, not trying to browbeat you, though. Stand one another. Use principles of collaboration so that we can build rapport and understand where they're coming from and agree when they have a good point and these sort of things. We need to engage in those conversations. And over time, we need to build communities. We need to build organizations that promote this sort of idea. I think that this idea goes against the, what the world is saying. Oh, wow. He's going to kill me. He thinks that the idea that we should collaborate and we should all be reconciled and the races should get along and we should be against racism and we should be, you know, forget about the disparity or, 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 or not worry about the disparities. That's actually against what the world is saying. Yeah, I know every single politician that is against Christ and for abortion and for the most evil doctrines out there, the LGBT stuff, all the the, the, the depravity, they're also saying this, but that's somehow not the world. Don't know why, but the world is against this. The the world is definitely against the idea of anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's really the, the solid conservative Christian right that is pushing this. It's 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 it's, it's really them. It's, that's that's the thing. You know, it's it's Christians that are doing this, not the pagans. The pagans are are, are against this. 
<laughs> These guys really are. I'm not. This is not even hyperbole. There have been some horrible debaters on these good faith debates. We've done. A, we've done a bunch of them. These are. These two are the most delusional that I've ever seen. These might be the most delusional gospel coalition people that I've ever seen. And that, my friends, is quite an achievement. That is a trophy. The most delusional gospel coalition presentation I have ever witnessed. I think so. I think and so. That's, that's fine. Because I think the solution to racism resides in the church. We just have not done it. We instead have gone along with the world has done. The world says be colorblind, we'll be colorblind. The world says do this, we'll do this. We need to set the agenda, which is working together with reconciliation, and as we do that, finding ways to achieve justice. I was just in the YMCA earlier, you know, I was lift, you know, pumping some iron, throwing plates around, you know, that kind of thing. And they actually had a banner uh, uh, right behind the counter that said something very similar. Oh, we got to just all collaborate. We all got to get, we're stronger together. <laughs> we're stronger when, when you're united and collaborating. We're stronger together. Just exactly like the world is saying. Just like this guy's saying. But no, no, the world's not saying that. The world is not saying that. That is only in the church. The church has the answer, and it's just what the YMCA is saying, which is also, I guess, technically it started as a Christian organization, but uh, it's definitely not now. I'll tell you that. Pride flags everywhere. And, you know, one of the things that I, I just feel, you know, the, the only difference between Daryl and me, other than some minor things, is, he approached this as, no, we have to have justice as we go along. And I'm saying, no, we have to have reconciliation as we go along. And we kind of both agree, we just came up from different angles. The, the, uh, the Google, the Google uh, closed captions, it's usually spot on, dead accurate. It can't figure out what this guy is saying. This guy just mumbles and he talks nonsense. What, what was that? <laughs> this, this, guy, this guy's got, why would they bring this guy onto this? When he can't, we can't even speak. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. But we're gonna lend, end it there. We've got seven minutes left. I guess we got to do another episode. God bless you. I hope you found this video helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight Laugh Feast Network.